This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. section at our local target this is behind the bots the podcast that brings you the tiny little stories of the builders behind battle bots i'm chris i'm luke i'm Lindsay, and i'm kyle and today on the podcast our interview with the vasquez family builders and drivers of whiplash and defender as always we'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of robots around the world if you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have three news items for you today. First up, it's shipping week for international bots like Orbi Blade, Monsoon, and Endgame, who packed up hundreds of pounds of bots, spares, and tools into shipping crates bound for Las Vegas. Expect more shipping crate reveals in the coming days, as North American teams have a bit more time before they need to ship their bots. BattleBots this week revealed new details about a new arena hazard they're calling, quote-unquote, the shelf. The shelf will be 16 feet long, 8 feet wide, and 6 inches tall, with two screws that rotate back and forth just like the existing arena screws. The shelf will be placed opposite the arena's entry and exit doors, effectively serving as a third set of screws. The description of the shelf was a bit hard for me personally to visualize, and I know that a lot of other people online had a similar reaction, so it will be interesting to see how this new arena hazard will work. So I feel like the shelf is like the biggest uh, topic of conversation on BattleBots internet this week. I would love to get your thoughts on uh, what you think this is, what you think it looks like, and what do you think it's going to do? I have no idea what it looks like. (laughs) Do you think it it can hold it like a SME? Uh, <laughs> I think it's as long as a SME. Um, I I don't know why it's called a shelf. I don't know. Like, there's so many, like, the way that they describe it, and no shade to Greg Munson and Trey Roski, of course, but um, it is, it left me with so many questions. I have just, I can't, I can't even imagine what this thing is going to look like. It just, it, it has just enough room for 12 cookbooks that you'll never touch <laughs> and one spider plant. <laughs> So Chris is basically looking at our kitchen right now. Yeah. Do you, I'm sure we'll get into those recipes any day now. Do you have a 16-foot-long shelf in your kitchen, Chris? <laughs> yes. It's just I only have uh, I have about uh, nine beetle weight SMEs kind of lined up on it, though. Eventually, we'll get that heavy weight. Kyle, as, right, as so someone other- who builds things, I, I, I just need to know what, what, what you think about this thing. So the other part of the description, right? Like, Let's go over this, right? So... Um, the platform floor is covered in Lexan plastic, which yeah. there's no such thing as Lexan that isn't plastic, but whatever. 
The side of the platform facing the center of the arena has the two screws identical to the hazard screws on the sides of the arena. The screws can rotate e in either direction. The two other sides of the platform are vertical edges with a height of six inches. Does that mean you can't drop, like, like, vertical edges as in, like, there's just a six-inch lip on the yeah. sides of the shelf so you can't drive off? That's kind of how I'm imagining it, right? And then... If the referees jointly determine that a robot is unnecessarily remaining on the shelf, they may start a countdown for the robot um, as defined in paragraph 7.5.4, uh, which is, you know, the countout rules. So is it is it that you can go up on the shelf and just take a break? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man, I need to recombobulate myself. Maybe I'll just drive up on this shelf and chill out for a second. I mean, it's Wait, eight, the smoker shelf. It's it's eight feet wide, but it's six inches tall. I didn't know that the arena yep. screws were only six inches tall, or like they're because the, they they look like they're eighteen inches tall. I think they they're more like a foot. Yeah, right. This yeah, thing is so weird. So like, okay, so I I can imagine this very short, very wide, very <laughs> deep shelf that I guess you can drive up on. I just I have I I. I cannot I cannot visualize this and I feel like I'm a relatively intelligent person. Um I feel like we should we should invite people to send us in their drawings of the shelf. Don't you think? I think that's a great idea. Yes. Let's <laughs> let's get some crowdsourced ideas on what the heck this thing is. Good. We're going to have a, a fan shelf drawing contest where the winner who comes closest to what the shelf actually looks like gets a handmade shelf made by Kyle. Yeah. It has to be a one-to-one -one replica, Kyle. I'm sorry that you're gonna have to find find arena screws somewhere. I might, but you have to make it out of Lexan plastic, not the other stuff. I was about to say I might <laughs> use acrylic, uh, just because it's less expensive. But yes. All right. So, and because you know we're, we are we are members of Battlebots Internet, and I feel like uh, our our collective community is really good at passing judgment without uh, seeing something. Uh, what do you think about the shelf? Is it a good idea or is it a bad idea? Um, I'm I, I'm always for new things. Yeah. This is a really weird new thing. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I do feel like um, if anybody's going to end up using it strategically, it's probably going to end up being like Al Kindle and Blacksmith. Hmm. Interesting. Personally, I'd shelf the idea. Oh, <laughs> good. Good. Well, we're, we're going to have to see. I feel like I have, I mean, I, I have a lot of faith in Trey Roski and the Arena Hazards crew um, in designing things for specific applications. So I am cautiously optimistic that the shelf is going to be awesome and that we're going to see it for the entire season six of the show. So yeah, it'll be an interesting new dynamic. And finally, in sad news, longtime BattleBots referee Michael Ayers has died. In a post this week, BattleBots wrote, quote, Michael was an amazing person, Vietnam veteran, dog rescuer, stand-up comedian, tech executive, and referee. He'll be forever missed, and our love and condolences go out to his family. Godspeed, Michael. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Team Fast Electric Robots, makers of Whiplash and Defender. This week on the podcast, we have four very special returning guests, the Vasquez family, J. 
Jeff, Debbie, Matthew, and Jason, who build Whiplash and are planning to field a secret second bot this year called Defender. This has been a massive year for the Vasquez family. 2020 marked the team's best performance on BattleBots ever, ending with a 6-2 season record that carried them to the finals before being knocked out of the arena by Giant Nut winner Endgame. In the offseason, Hexbug approached the team about turning Whiplash into the company's newest, and arguably their coolest, BattleBots toy. This coming season, Jason will be fielding a brand new lifter bot called Defender, based on his success in the insect weights with a lifter called Krabby. We're looking forward to digging into all of these topics in the hour ahead, so welcome back to the show, Jeff, Debbie, Matthew, and Jason. Hey, hey guys. Hello. How's it going? Back. I know. I'm so happy that, that you're back. And I feel like this has just been like the best year for the Vasquez's. I mean, like, I guess from the outside, I mean, <laughs> tell me if COVID was horrific and terrible, but like, um, like going all the way to the finals and like coming out with a new toy and building a new robot. Like, I'm just so happy and excited for the family and just really, really looking forward to, uh, to hearing all about how the last year has been for you. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was saying before we started recording, um, I would love to start with hex bugs. I know that's not the most logical place to start, but I am like so <laughs> excited about hex bugs. Um, so I, I keep checking my local target and we don't have the toy on the shelves yet. I can get it shipped to my local target in like a week from now, but I think they're going to be sending them from California or something like that. Um, so I, I just have so many questions about hex bugs. I'm just fascinated by like the, the whole process of designing and building a new toy. So I guess maybe you could start from the beginning. So like, when did you, when did you hear from hex bugs initially? And um, like, did they tell you for sure, like, we, we want to build this robot? Or were they thinking, like, oh, we're, we're thinking about it, but can you send us some files? Like, can you talk about how that, that conversation happened? So with Hexbug, pretty much how the process works is that when they choose a robot for, you know, to make it to a toy, they're choosing it a year behind, like, in what season you're in. Mm. So when they chose Whiplash and Sawblaze, that was, like, several months before the last season was even filmed. So, like we've known it was coming for like over a year now. So um, I think that's like the first like kind of misconception because like people watch this last season and they're like saying like, oh, I think it'll be this one, this one, this one. But in reality, they're choosing based off the season before that. Wow. So pretty much they'll, you know, they'll get in contact with us. Like in our case, like uh, Greg Munson, the creator, you know, let us know that they were thinking about making a toy. And then shortly after that, you know, they get in contact with us and they, you know, they ask for all Whiplash's CAD files. So, like, I got all that organized and sent it over to them. And then, you know, from there on, they just start designing it, start designing packaging. You know, the engineers there start working on the toys. And then, like, you know, several months after that, we sort of, you know, they would send us little sneak peeks of stuff. And, uh, you know, we get to see, like, prototypes and, like, they send, like, you know, the CAD design of the toy. And, like, we kind of get, like... No, I wouldn't say like a lot of input, but we got like a teeny bit of input. We could say like, oh, like make sure this is like this. But for the most part, like they get it so accurate. It's like there was nothing to even critique. Hmm. Like they are, they know what they're doing over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so amazing because, so I, I've watched like basically every single YouTube toy review that I can get my hands on. And like the bot is fast. Like the lifter is strong. Like the spinner is like really strong. I'm like, I'm amazed that they're able to get all of that functionality into something so tiny, you know, like as, as builders yourselves, like 
when you take a look at the toy and you drive it around, like, um, do, are you like similarly amazed? <laughs> I guess you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, especially because this Sawblaze and the the Whiplash toy, it's like kind of the new generation of Hexbug toys. Yeah. Where like every year they'll kind of like have like a little leap in quality, like accuracy to like you know the shape of the real robot or like little details like that. But this was like the first year they really like the internals where they really upped their game. Like their remotes, now they have two buttons. So that gives them the option to do two weapons, which I'm sure is why they chose us, at least a big reason why they chose us and Sawblaze. So they could show off that new technology. And then another big update is they're rechargeable. Instead of triple A's, there's mm. LiPo batteries in there. So, I mean, right there, you're saving a lot of room inside, which I'm sure they needed for the extra motors and extra electronics. And uh, you're up in the power a lot. So, I mean, just out of the box, you could see they're way faster than the you know, old generation of toys. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was really impressed with how sophisticated the movement of Whiplash and Sawblaze were. Um, because, so, like, I, I own Blacksmith. I own Bite Force. You know, um, Kyle owns literally every other one. Um, so, like, Tombstone. And, <laughs> um, and like, they're they're kind of, like, no shade, but they're basic, you know, it's like a spinner, you turn it on, you turn it off, but like, like the articulated lifter motion is like pretty, pretty cool. Um, like, it's just, it's so much more than like, I, I ever expected like to see from a tiny toy that's like 70 bucks. So like, I'm, I, I personally can't wait to get my hands on one. Like I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe, maybe I should order it and just get it shipped to the store. You know, like it's, it's like a week, you know, to get shipped to my local store. Um, so yeah, I think I've I've talked myself into it. I, I'm I'm gonna buy one tonight. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're they're really amazing. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy, and like the I mean the engineers at Hexbug, they just like had it so well thought out how everything worked. I mean even like even if like I was thinking like if I was making the toy, like how would I make the weapons work with you know a remote that has four buttons on it, you know two little things for left, right, forward, backwards, then two buttons, one for the spinner and one for the arm. But uh, it was really clever how they did it. Just one click of the button, the arm just goes up and then back down. Yeah. And, you know, we played with it a bunch, obviously, you know, right when we got it. And uh, it works great. It was really well thought out, well tested. The arm could lift another toy, you know, pretty easily. It's the, To me, yeah. the most amazing thing is how it self-writes. It, to me, it looks like you're just looking at like a total miniaturized real whiplash. Like yeah. it's the real whiplash, but like honey who shrunk the kids kind of thing. Like <laughs> it's just, that's an old reference you guys might not know. Yes, I know. Okay, anyway, <laughs> so um, I'm dating myself. But anyway, no, the self-writing was insane. I mean, it, it just looks like the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just have one last question before I turn it over to Kyle. Um, I I heard that the sets are being like first available on the West Coast. So have you been able to see it in the store, like at your local Target? And if you have, like, what does that what what does that mean for you to see this robot that you've been working on for years, um, like available to thousands and thousands of fans? <laughs> you know, like to take home and to play with. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. I mean, but to answer your question, we actually have not seen it on the shelves. Really? Yet. And honestly, we we looked like before we've because Hexbug sent us ones for us that they just for like a you know for their video series, but uh, before we opened those, we like checked stores, didn't really see anything, 
And since we've opened the one we have, we haven't actually checked. Like Jason but, did. Jason checked, I think. But uh, it was funny. Like before we even opened ours, you know, the hex book sent. Uh, like some of my friends like sent me videos. They're like, hey, look what I found at Target. And I was like, you get to open it before I get to open it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really it's, funny. It's pretty funny. But, but uh, no, it's it's crazy. It's and we I mean, we actually we had I think this is okay to say, yeah. but we they had sent us ours and told us to keep it in the shipping box until we did our we had like a little zoom unboxing with them mm. for for Hexbox to air so we sat and just looked at that box for like a week dying to like dive into it <laughs> and meanwhile people we know our family and friends are like sending us pictures going oh look what we found here's you know we have it oh it's so cool and we're like we haven't even gotten to touch one yet so it was that was like yeah yeah but uh we'll be We'll have some trips to Target and see if we could find one. It's still like they're not like fully, you know, on the shelves yet. Yeah, but, initially yeah. we we really were told that they wouldn't be on shelves until like mid mid to late August. Mm -hmm. and I don't even think I just, really thought they would either. They just yeah. kind of appeared. I I, yeah. I kind of almost wonder if like some Target employees are kind of like accidentally putting them out before the <laughs> actual release. I don't know. So it's just kind of like a. A, a luck thing if yeah. you happen to go to a target where somebody's not paying attention <laughs> to yeah. release dates. But to, to answer your initial question, though, I mean, we, it's amazing that we have the toy and it's so awesome. But until we actually go into a store and see it on a shelf, like, I, mean, I, think, it. I think I'll cry. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I I I can only imagine how cool it must be to see something that you've poured so much time and effort into, um, to see it immortalized as as a toy. Um, and I I've, I've heard from so many other BattleBots builders that they're that's that's like their that's their lifelong dream. You know, they grew up playing with um with BattleBots toys and like to see their their design, their creation um, turned into a toy for so many kids. Cause I mean, kids just absolutely love all of these robots, you know, is, um, is pretty, pretty special and pretty cool. You know, it's, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, just to think that like, there's like a design that's just like sitting on my laptop at home, just instantly appeared in every target all around the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's really a weird, a really weird, but awesome feeling. So uh, yeah, no, we're super happy and grateful. And we've been like, this has been like a, Kind of like a goal for our team like pretty much forever yeah. and that it actually happened is insane that's really cool all right vasquez family really excited to talk to you guys um so congratulations on the 2020 season um you guys made it all the way to the very last match of the championship with endgame so i want to get your thoughts on that match specifically what was your strategy as you headed into the battle box for that one uh what was the pep talk you were giving each other in the back um, you know, what was some challenges that you guys might have been facing that nobody really knew about uh, back back at home? Um, so how just kind of walk us through that whole experience of going into that final. So I would say that final fight was really unique for the reason that our robot was totally ready to be put in the arena like a day in advance before the fight. Like we were wow. like because we fought Black Dragon, like I think two, I think we fought Black Dragon then there was like a day break. And then the next day we fought Endgame, I want to say, but uh, it was something like that. I forget the exact schedule, but I just remember we had a lot of time after Black Dragon. We really had no damage at all. Like we had one front armor panel come off, but we just bolted that back on, and we were pretty much ready to go. Just charge it up, and we were just kind of sitting there waiting for you know a full day. Yeah. So we were kind of planning, thinking what to do. We 
could have, you know, tried to fashion some crazy configuration to take on, you know, their super long reach forks. But also at the same time, it's like it's a final match. So is that really the fight you want to like, you know, mess with what has been working yeah. so well the whole tournament? But uh, yeah, we kind of went with the fight. We didn't really know it would happen. But uh, yeah, we just threw it in there and, you know, did our best. So I know you said that, you know, you, you didn't want to try anything crazy because you were going into the final match. Now that that match is over and it went the way that it went, is there uh, is there any choices you'd wished you made? Uh, I honestly, I don't really have any regrets after that fight, to be totally honest. It was, I think the second, it's funny, before the competition, like I was looking around the pits and thinking and there were three robots that I didn't necessarily have a great plan for. One of them was Sawblaze, which is funny because that's one of the robots that beat us. The other one was Copperhead, which luckily we never fought. And the third one was Endgame, which we also ended up fighting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, It was tough. I knew the only way we would ever win that fight was driving around them, getting to the side. Because like most fights, I could see, like for example, our Black Dragon fight, another vertical spinner. But I would look at the front of the robot and I could clearly see that we go head to head and we are going to get underneath and we could lift them, we can control them. With Endgame, using that same strategy we used against Black Dragon or we used against Gruff or we used against Valkyrie would have basically just been like suicide pretty much. Like attacking yeah. Endgame like we'd attack any of those other robots. It would have been the same outcome, but within the first 10 seconds probably. <laughs> so uh, our, our only way of winning that fight was to you know drive around them, try to you know sneak to the sides, get around the back. But uh, kind of like to prove my point, like after a while... I was trying to drive around them and wasn't getting anywhere with it because they were just, they spun down their weapon so they wouldn't gyro. They're spinning a super slow speed. They just turned yep. and faced at us. So their job was really easy, just had to point at us. Our job was really hard. We had to, you know, get around, you know, have to make them make a mistake. And, uh, you know, to my point before, eventually I just had to attack like I would in any other fight. And the second I did that, it was all downhill. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you gotta, it was, we were either gonna outdrive them or, that was pretty much the only way it was going to go in our favor. So I know that one of the biggest concerns that you had about them was their low ground game. You know, I feel like Endgame made the mistake of not having a low ground thought process in their first season, and they never had that problem again. Mm -hmm. Similarly, what's your what's your thought process now going in, knowing that you're going to have to be facing extra long wedgelets? I mean, I'm <laughs> sure the Brazilians have warned you about it. I'm sure that yeah. you've heard heard that that's what's coming to the heavyweight competition. Right. What's your plan going forward for that that style of competitor? Uh, that for now, I will say is a secret because we <laughs> technically haven't. I technically haven't showed anyone the new whiplash designs, but uh, but there is a plan. There is a plan there for everyone. Plan. This season, I will say there is a plan for every single robot that's showing up, yeah. which I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't say last season. So maybe that'll give us a little extra boost. But uh, yeah, no, it's going to be tough. I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people showing up with long forks, seeing what Endgame did. But uh, then again, like, if you look at it in the sense, Endgame is ahead. I mean, us, Endgame, and Tantrum all came with long forks this season. Ours, like, our forks and Tantrum's forks weren't quite as long. But we all came with forks. We all kind of, like, saw that's where the sport was going. Endgames were the longest, and they kicked our butts. But uh, <laughs> uh, I could totally see a lot of people showing up with long yeah. forks this season. But you can yeah. also look at it in the way like all those people will kind of be a year behind that trend. So I'm sure Endgame has evolved that strategy. And I, I don't know how. I mean, obviously, they're not, you know, sharing their 
you know, championship winning strategy <laughs> with uh, <laughs> teams. That's probably not in their best interest. But uh, yeah, so I'm sure you'll see a lot of long forks. I'm sure you'll see a lot of new creative ways to counter that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because this is kind of like a, I would say it's a new era, but this has kind of been how you win forever. Like all the way back to like Biohazard and the original, yeah. you know, series. This has been, yeah, reach. Way, you know, since like Biohazard and Vlad the Impaler. It's like, this has been the way to win forever. It's just like kind of changed, but it's still basically the same. So it'll be interesting to see the evolution of it. I like it. I like it. All right. So uh, for this next section of questions, I'm going to quote the great Paul Venti Frappuccino. <laughs> Uh, more, ro- more robots equals more problems. <laughs> Let's talk about Defender. So, Jason, Stop. we got so many questions about <laughs> Defender. Sweet. Uh, maybe we could start at the beginning and talk a little bit about Krabby. Can you tell us about Krabby and what made that bot so special and kind of like the history of that bot and its weight class? So, Krabby was actually... Like, uh, the first version of Krabby was made before I had made anything, really. It was, like, cardboard, and it was made out of, like, old toys and, like, no was, real electronics. They had, like, no. they had, like servos. So. Well, no, there was there was a cardboard one I made a long yeah. time ago. Because I was trying to make a control robot with an arm and a grabber, and I figured it'd be too hard to put the grabber on top of the arm, so I just said, what if the whole robot was the lifter? So I made a full-body lifter, made the grabber, and it was this, really the simplest way to do it. And over time, I just kept perfecting it, and it was really successful. So um, I, yeah, no, it was a great robot. Still is. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about kind of the history of uh, of Krabby. Like, what was the first competition you remember taking Krabby to? What do you think was the best uh, performance you had with Krabby? Tell us about like that the experience competing with Krabby. Krabby stayed local in uh, Southern California, I'd say, for its first few years, and it it's it's a wedge at heart, so it was pretty good. And I mean, like, seriously, uh, crap. I mean, I'll just jump in a little bit. I think Jason's probably being a little modest about stuff, <laughs> but I mean, he, it competed locally a lot. I think probably its big kind of uh, of. Unveiling. Unveiling was probably a RoboGames, no? Oh, yeah, got a RoboGames medal. Yeah, yeah I got a RoboGames medal. I think he took right. with that. And the thing with it, too, even just in the local competitions, was that it was always, like, a real crowd pleaser. Um, just everybody, like, he put on a total show with it. Yeah, it's it, funny. You go it, pick up a robot, hold him in the air, drive him around, kind of show the judges, show the audience, and then <laughs> drop him in the hazards. Yeah. It was just like a like a lovable bot, kind of. Yeah. It just had a it had a personality, yeah. which was insane. And it, had, it had duck appeal. It was the cute <laughs> little robot that could. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It really delivered. And I can't, literally, I we lost count on how many first places it's got. Really, how many. Uh, yeah. competitions that it won, but we always kind of went there with it to have fun. Like Jason yeah. was really having fun with it. I don't know if you ever really, you know, I don't know. I go ahead. I looked up a bunch of crabby stuff before this, so I was about to call Jason out for being modest. I'm glad that uh, his family <laughs> jumped in to do that for him. Um, all right, that's great. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about the mechanism, um, the lifting motion, because it's super interesting. It's not anything we've seen at the heavyweight scale before. So what are the benefits of like these outriggers kind of lifting the whole bot up? Actually, no, let's let's start with that. Jason, describe how Krabby lifts 
or how Krabby lifted and how Defender is lifting, going to lift um, for people, you know, in an audio format. So the thing that makes Defender unique is instead of using an arm and lifting the arm up, I'm li- pushing the arm down. And by pushing the arm down, I'm lifting the whole robot up. So if I get someone on top of me, the arm pushes down and the robot goes up. So that's what makes it different. And I actually got to correct you real quick. Um, Fuzzy Malden built actually two heavyweights that had that type of full body lifter. But he's we've had like lots of discussions about it. And it, I think technically yeah, Jason invented yeah, yeah, the design. Te- he did, yeah, yeah. Technically I did it first, but he was the first to do it in a heavyweight. Yeah. Ah. And I don't think that Fuzzy ever saw Krabby. I think they kind of both sort of came up yeah. with this yeah, idea. Yeah, it was like a Eureka thing. Yeah, like yeah, simultaneous development. Yeah. Yeah, and then then I think Fuzzy, you know, he was really gracious, and when he realized that Jason had thought of it before he had, like just by the calendar, you know, he he said Jason was the one who kind of came up with it. But I think they both kind of came up with it. Just Jason came up with it earlier. <laughs> My favorite thing about that type of lifter grabber is just the the area where you could grab with because essentially it's a 250 pound hand and the forks are the fingers the thumb is the grabber and your wrist is the lifter like it really just it's a 250 pound hand like no other like the only other robots where the full robot is the weapon is a full body spinner it's right full body weapons are pretty unique so. Yeah. Full body lifters, I've heard you call it that yeah. a few times, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. What are your uh, What are your thoughts going in? I mean, you you know you know kind of what the the competition is like. Um, heck, you've driven against a lot of these people before. You you know what you're getting into. What are your thoughts on on how it's going to do in a first year situation? Are you are you thinking you're you're going to be able to do you know top sixteen, top four, or is this like a try it out season? What are your thoughts going in? I'm going to be honest. There are so many factors. I've had a lot of thought about this. I'm really trying to just have a fun season, but I've, we've learned a ton from Whiplash over these last years. And then yeah. on the other hand, we haven't built a heavyweight from scratch in like five, six years. I mean, technically, we built Whiplash from scratch every year. Yeah, but but we haven't but done a new design. I'm saying like yeah. design, like yeah. right from zero and then i mean i've been driving since a very little kid but then on the other hand i've never driven in heavyweight fights and i haven't fought in a few years but then it's got low ground game there's just i could keep going all day but there's pros and cons (laughs) everywhere you've you've driven one heavyweight fight (laughs) against against, uh what'd you call him paul what Yeah. I've had yeah. one heavyweight fight and it was in Las Vegas, ironically, and it was against Fight Force, the number one robot in the world. So uh, <laughs> I unfortunately lost that, but at least I didn't, I didn't disappoint anybody because everyone saw it coming. Here's here's a secret to all the insect builders out there. Heavyweights are just slow motion insects. That's like the best way to describe it. It's so much it's I mean it's not slow, but it's a lot slower than driving, you know, ant weights and beetle weights. So if you think yeah. of it that way, in some ways it's easier driving than heavyweights. But, you know, then at the same time, everyone's robot's slower. So it's really, it's the same but different. And I think part of, like, to answer part of the question, too, is, like, I know Jason said he really wants to have a good time and and have fun. But the other part of it is that it's not necessarily, like, I mean, if he wins the nut, amazing. If he gets into the top 16, amazing. Top 8, even better. Um, But 
I think that the point is that he wants the robot to function, to work, to like, yep. how, how did you say that? Okay. that? That was the main goal was like not to try to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like what a, like a, a mistake a lot of teams will make is they like go into the first season and they'll like try to have like a plan for every robot, ton of configurations, like kind of like go over the top there. But then at the same time, you know, they're prepared for all these opponents, but they haven't tested the robot well enough. So like, I feel like the first season should always be like, get the robot working, get it in the arena. Like if it works well, that's great. If you lose to, you know, if you lose a good fight and you get knocked out of the tournament early, it's like, you know, obviously you're disappointed, but you'll be more prepared for the next season and you'll have gone out on a good season. BattleBots will want you to return because the robot worked well, even if you didn't get far into the tournament. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, first season robots, if it works well, you're almost more dangerous because people kind of don't have expectations for you. There's no pressure. You're just going yeah. and having fun. And that's kind of when, well, I mean, even Whiplash, like season three, I mean, we'd come off a great year at RoboGames, but in season three at BattleBots, we really didn't have expectations for ourselves. And I think that's why we ended up doing so well. We were just kind of having fun and just, mm -hmm. you know, riding out the tournament and we ended up in the semis. So uh, you never know with new robots. Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, well, I, for one, am very happy that you guys decided to come in with something that's not a vertical spinner <laughs> um, and bring some, some, you know, more variety to the field and do something interesting and cool. I'm really excited to see it. Um, so thank you, Jason. And I think that uh, folks are going to be happy to see. I mean, I know I've watched, you know, a lot of videos lately of Krabby just to catch up for this interview, but um, I think folks are going to be pleasantly surprised at, at uh how good Jason is at the sticks and, and how well this uh, this bot's going to perform in a driving sense. I think it's going to be really cool. Thanks. Yeah. I'm really hoping so. Yeah. I mean, That's we're awesome. using tried and true components that we've used in the past. So, you know, we're pretty confident that it's going to work <laughs> at least a little bit. So, if, yeah. if, the, if the robot works well, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. We'll put it it that will way. be a lot of fun. Yeah. So. And the, yeah. the testing has shown to be very promising. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that I'm going to start a drinking game whenever Jason's playing, and we're going to call it Whenever Jason Puts Somebody on the Shelf. <laughs> you have to finish your drink. Oh, yeah. It, um, the rules are clearly <laughs> so people know oh. about it, kind of, sort of. Here's, here's, here's a question. Here's a question. What, what do you guys know about the shelf? <laughs> Just what's written in the rule book, and it is so badly written that it's really hard to tell. We actually we actually started a uh, there is going to be a competition for our listeners. We're announcing it on this episode uh, to draw what you think the shelf is. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah. Um, and the winner will get a, a like life size replica of the shelf built by me. So well, and we're also trying to come up with with a name for yeah, shelf. I think there's really no real name for it. So you guys should have a contest to see, like, like shelf the best name. Yeah, selfish name. name the shelf. That should be another contest. I like this. I like that because I think I think Greg and Trey even asked the builders if they have any good ideas for a name. Yeah. So uh, well, I'm not comfortable saying any more about yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so we're gonna get into some listener questions. All right, so first one is Lacey Fetko. She has a question on behalf of her daughter. She writes, my daughter Maddie is six. Um, she would like to know when you guys started building robots and how you got interested in robot fighting. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, our dad started back in, you know, the Comedy Central days, so like early 2000s. So that's when me and Jason were like introduced to it. And, you know, immediately we were super interested in it. We, you know, had all the toys, build little ones out of cardboard and stuff. 
So uh, the interest came like when we were tiny little kids. Like Jason was barely just born, and I was like three years old. But we really didn't start competing and fighting ourselves until we were like, I'd say like middle school years. Like we were like I don't know early teens, I would say. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of builders, you know, competitors that are a lot younger on that. Like, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, ten year olds that I know work with their parents, help build an ant weight, beetle weight, and, you know, take it to their first event. Yeah. So uh, I say it's never too early to start is one thing I would say. Legos. <laughs> I mean, you know, they may not have been competing out in, you know, the world, but they were competing here at home, and they would m- make Lego remote control battle bots, cardboard. They'd make them out of everything you can possibly imagine. We couldn't throw anything out because it became a battle bot, and uh, <laughs> they they – Played. I made them a little battle bot table with a hazard, a drop area, and they just played and played and played. And then when the toys came out, they got those and were fighting. So um, you know, they learned. They learned by developing their own, their own uh, way of doing things. So it was great. They just copied and put their own spin on it. Yeah, it's it's also I think even it's a lot better for like kids now than like we were younger because now there's like finger tech kits and stuff you yeah. can buy a you know viper kit and you know hex bug toys you can buy yeah. hex bug toys now i mean there were the yep. old battle bots toys but these are like kind of you know next level you're playing with the the real deal so um yeah it's a uh, i'd say you're you're never too young and just start with whatever whatever you could get your hands on whether it's just you know legos and motors and stuff or you know you can get a finger tech kit or something like that and depending right, on sorry. your age, this is just our, our disclaimer. <laughs> just to be properly supervised depending oh, yes. on your age. Oh, yes. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> that was a necessary motherly disclaimer. I appreciate that. <laughs> the fun out of it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, so I have uh, a few questions from Alexander Archer. Um, so... First is, this one is uh, is is really for... J- or for, uh, for all of you, what major upgrades have you made to Whiplash for this year that you're allowed to talk about? I know you said there's some you're not going to talk about, but is there anything that you've fixed up on her that uh, that you're allowed to talk about? Uh, let's see. I mean, one thing that's not a very exciting change is, like, for the spinner. We're trying out some brushless motors for the spinner. So, like, I think it's pretty well. We'll see how that goes. I mean, the spinner has never been, like, our... You know what wins the fight for us, but hopefully that'll save us a little bit of weight and maybe give it a little bit of extra oomph. But uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But uh, as far as like competition winning strategy, like the spinner will be great, but I don't think that's gonna really bring us any next level. Uh, I say it's mostly just new armor configurations and you know new lifter configurations. Like last season was the first time we tried like the big plow with no spinner to fight against Valkyrie. And, like, that was really designed because, you know, we lost to Tombstone twice. And when we had something <laughs> different, you know, taking off the spinner was a great way to get all that weight for that huge plow in the front. Yeah. So uh, seeing how that strategy how that strategy works, you know, I think we'll be, you know, we're, I think we'll have a lot more armor configurations tailored to, like, specific opponents. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. And That's awesome. The other thing is that it's built a lot better now. I mean, literally, the way our welding, our machining, our tolerances, um, you know, we build it basically the same way. It's just we've learned how to build it better. So it's that will be – it's stronger. There's no doubt 
it's stronger than it's ever been physically. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's something you guys have constantly done better. I feel like that every new build of this bot just comes back stronger every year. Yeah, so. I mean, one thing I'll say is like every season, I feel like we make like a, you know, some sort of jump in like competitiveness, like from season three to like season four, we made like, we improved some things, but not a whole lot. And we ended up doing like a little bit worse. And then from season four to season five, we made a lot of changes. And luckily, they all worked really, really well. <laughs> but I think this season will be another season of making a lot of well thought out changes, I think. But, keep yeah. what, but keeping what works really well yeah. the same. It's still Whiplash. There's going to be no mistaking it for Whiplash. But there's, Matthew has been very clever and <laughs> he's dreamed he's up it. some really interesting strategies and configurations he's got some so, tricks up his sleeve yeah <laughs> so we'll see how to create quite the ruckus <laughs> i'm excited about that and i'm sure the internet will be as well <laughs> all right so other than preparing for whiplash and defender for the upcoming season of BattleBots, uh matthew what have you been up to uh so pretty much before BattleBots started was like when covid started getting bad so, I, think, yep. I don't know, was it how long before BattleBots did I come back from school from COVID? It's all I, blur. It's all blur. But, I mean, since BattleBots, since COVID started, I've been back from school. So, I've just been doing, you know, school from home. And, I mean, this summer has been pretty much full-time robot building with two full new builds. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'll be, I'll say, yeah, in some summer classes. But I'll say... I think it'll be nice, like, after the season to, like, actually move back to school and, like, go back to, like, a to pretty much a totally normal life. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be interesting, and I think it'll be a nice change of pace. But I'm sure. But it's funny, because, like, I think COVID for our team is part of the reason we did so well last year. Because me and Jason came home from school, you know, because, you know, there were no in-person classes. It was online. Well, not Jason. Or, not Jason. He was still there, but I came home from school because all my classes were online. And uh, that gave me the opportunity to really focus on Whiplash before last season and really get everything I wanted to be done, done in the way I wanted to do it, which hadn't always been the case previous seasons, just because I wouldn't be there for a lot of the, you know, for, I wouldn't have as much time to be there physically building the robot. So I think yeah. COVID is part of the reason we did so well last season. And I think, you know, being that me and Jason have been home, you know, all summer, just working on the robot, I think... Hopefully, it'll have the same effect coming into this next season. Yeah. I think that might be true. I mean, you did kind of divide your uh, your resources a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is a question for me. Uh, so, Jason is kind of always by your side doing spotting for you and helping you when you're driving. Is that going to be... Are you trading, for, uh, trading that for him for this upcoming season? Or are you guys going to be like... At the box together, or will you be busily working away at the other or at your uh, other robot while he's out there driving? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, one like good example to look at is like the Eworks Team Wayachi. So like they're like you know there's brothers on that team, it's family team, and they have two robots. But you know when Jake goes out with Hydra, you know like Reese isn't there with him because they're nope. kind of like they're the same team, but their robots are kind of like separate teams. So we'll see how that works out. We I don't. Mean, yeah. We'll be totally honest with you. Yeah. I don't really think it's our choice. Yeah. If it was our choice, 
we would just everyone go out with both we would all go out together for both bots both robots jason would spot for matthew matthew would spot for jason right jeff would stay away from both of them so he wouldn't be slamming on the glass and yelling at them distracting them um, so, you know, I think that, I mean, that would be amazing if we can continue to do that, but I, I don't it's think a, that to be determined, it's, that's to be determined. So we'll yeah. see how it plays out. We've already, uh, decided who would go with who, if we have to split up. So. Got it. And that might be a production call, right? It's it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it'll, it'll be a production call. We'll see what they say. So um, we're hoping that this podcast will put some pressure on them. <laughs> 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 Give the people what they want. And like, family. and like who knows we could show up there and they could say like oh like do whatever you want but like as of now we're not sure what the yeah. dynamic will be so we're, we're still yeah. flexible yeah yeah how separate they kind of want to make the two teams and the mm-hmm. two bots i get it and like i and, get it and all honestly i feel like either way we can make it work because like for example at like robo games like in 2017 we had three robots in the big arena over one weekend and there was no way we were all going to be able to be at all of our fights like there were some adjacent fights i didn't even know was happening and like vice versa and like even our dad was fighting that event and like if it has to be similar to what it was when we brought several big robots to robo games i mean that's worst case scenario yeah. scenario and i think that i mean we'd make it work i think yeah but back we'll in do the what pits, we gotta do in the pits we're entirely together yeah. we'll have yeah. two pits yeah. next to each other where we're all working on everything yeah like worst case we'll have the same exact situation as the ewards yeah we'd yeah. like to all go out together but yeah it's, I think BattleBots is more aiming for, a, you know, yeah. similar to that. I like it. Yeah. I like it. All right, so one final question for me, and then I'm going to pass you over. So how do you guys feel about the new season being filmed in Vegas instead of Long Beach this year? Oh, God. <laughs> so we liked Long Beach because it was close to us, which is, like, an obvious thing. I mean, everyone wants, yep. like, home field advantage, so you could, you know, drive back to your, you know, an hour and a half drive back to your house, which is, I mean, maybe we got all of it spoiled with that, but... Uh, I mean, I think Vegas is, like, an awesome place to do it because it's, like, I mean, it's Vegas. You know, having a show like this and bringing it there and, you know, it could turn into something huge there. Who knows? But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's also really, really hot there, which is probably not going to be fun. And we're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like for convenience, we love Long Beach. It's nice and comfortable there. But for excitement, Vegas might, you know, take the cake there. It might really take the show to the next level yeah. overall, yeah. which is something that, you know, we're in, what needs to happen. So it deserves to get be on the biggest stage and, you know, uh, and to move forward. If it's for the greater good, we're all yeah, willing to absolutely. sweat a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll sweat. <laughs> I mean, and at the end of the day, it's, just a, it's a new experience. So, yeah. like, there's going to be some things that we'll have liked better in Long Beach, and I'm sure some things that everyone will have liked better in Long Beach but I'm sure there will be new things here that'll be mm-hmm. just as awesome in a different way. So uh, it's we, we you know we can't really know till we experience it. So uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna pass you guys over to Chris. Thank you guys so much. It was great talking to you. Thanks, yeah. Pat, you Thanks too. for the questions. I'd like to start with a question that I don't have in the script. Uh, similar to a pack of wolves. A, uh, a flock of seagulls, a blessing of unicorns. What do you call a group of Vasquez's? <laughs> Vasquez? Vasquez? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Whip lads? Whip lads? Yeah, no. That's, the That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe maybe you guys could yeah. you come think up of with something. something? We, we never thought of that. Yeah. I don't know. 
We'll have to pose it to the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sure you'll get some interesting Team answers. Vasquez. No. Uh, hmm. That's a, it's a it's a tough word to like. Yeah, it's kind a of Z mold at the end. The Vasquezes. The Vasquezes. <laughs> yeah. We'll a concussion with... of Vasquezes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of fans, I have a question here from Jake Anderson, who has a question about Whiplash's design. How did you get past the general idea that putting a weapon on a moving part is a terrible idea because they all break? Then how did you make it not break? So to answer that question, I mean, there have been, I mean, even prior to like the modern BattleBots, some like cool, successful robots with like a weapon on an arm, like like a SOB from like the original BattleBots which was like an inspiration for some of my robots that inspired Whiplash. And I know it was like an inspiration for like Jameson with Sawblaze. Like that's one example of a super successful, you know, spinner on arm robot, or I guess saw on arm robot from like way back when. So, I mean, in, and I had had like a super successful beetle weight that was like an overhead cutter robot. So, I mean, it had been done in the past in smaller weight classes, but never really at this scale. So he's kind of correct in the sense that like at a heavyweight scale, it's kind, it was kind of like, a risky design but at the same time when we came up with that design when we applied for BattleBots it was season one of the reboot so they were getting hundreds of applications you know BattleBots hadn't been on TV in you know 15 20 years so they were getting all these crazy cool robots applying getting accepted was like getting your foot in the door was the most important thing for that season and to get our foot in the door I mean we tried to think of the most unique thing we could build but something we could actually build. We didn't want to go like out of our, too out of our comfort zone, just a little bit out of our comfort zone. So uh, to answer his question, we didn't design, we didn't create this design to be competitive. We created it to get accepted into BattleBots in the first place, whether it worked well or not. And unfortunately the first two outings, it worked pretty terribly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, some more testing and we brought to Robo Games worked well, it eventually kind of, grew into itself and uh no it turned out to be a great decision going a little bit out of our comfort zone and trying something yeah a little bit new we'd never seen before i have a uh, flurry of questions and compliments from the big dill team member brandon bennett young who writes congrats on more bot things happening well deserved and awesome competitors if you could choose one other of your machines to have a hex bug uh, make a toy from what would it be I mean, Defender. Uh, yeah, now we have to. Obviously, <laughs> Defender. But like, can you think of any other robots we built that would be cool? Um, yeah, Krabby. Yeah, Krabby. Krabby's yeah, yeah. <laughs> about the size it of. It would be a really fun toy, yeah, just because it's so different than anything yeah. else. You know, in, in all honesty, that would probably be the most fun one. Yeah. Because there still hasn't been like a hexbug toy that could fully yeah. grab and hold you in the air. That's like a control bot like that. Yeah. yeah. And like honestly, with the hexbug toys, like the Bronco, like the Whiplash, like the robots that lift. I think are more fun than the spinners because you actually get the full effectiveness mm -hmm. of the real version. Because like obviously the toy bite force and toy tombstone aren't gonna like you know rip the toy in half. Like sure that'd be a lot of fun, but <laughs> you'd have some uh, injured children out there. I'm sure. But the so, lifter lifts. <laughs> the lifter lifts just like the real thing, and you can't say yeah. that about the spinners. So I think any yeah. Probably. Although the new. Uh, Tombstone hits pretty hard. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it true. does hit a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. it, it hits harder than the old uh, Tombstone toy. I will say that. But And we have to say the old Bronco held up really well to the yeah. new, yeah. The new toys. Yeah. I think 
Yeah, we, that, we've tested them all. If, if that old, if that, uh, I, I'm sure the guys at Hexbug made that thing turn super slow on purpose because otherwise it would just be like unstoppable. The yeah. Bronco toy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon also wants to know what's your favorite robot to fight against with uh, with Whiplash. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, hmm. Well, when you pose it like that, it'd be I, I tend to like think of robots we've had rematches with, and uh, Bite Force and Tombstone we fought twice. Uh, I don't know if I want to fight either of them again necessarily, <laughs> but uh, Huge we fought twice and Valkyrie we fought twice. Uh, but I would say the most fun one was probably Valkyrie because I like fighting horizontal spinners because like you know when we fight Huge, it's kind of I gotta spend the whole fight trying because you know Huge is a really tricky robot. I gotta spend it, you know, trying to keep him exactly where I want him, and you know he could end up on top of us, you know, end up in a bunch of positions I don't want. So that's a little bit more stressful than fun. But uh, Valkyrie was a ton of fun because it was just like insane violence the whole entire time. <laughs> like I didn't have to worry about getting to the side, getting to the back. I could just be full aggression, drive straight into him, you know, big sparks, giant hits. So, um, yeah, I would say Valkyrie's been my favorite robot to fight. Yeah, I mean, it's not such an awesome it's, it's an awesome robot. Yeah. It's, you know, not by no means an easy fight. With an it's, awesome driver. Yeah, and... it's... It's a fun team, yeah. Fun team, great. yeah. No, they're you no know, like Leanne and Frederick and all of them. They're like they're so awesome and uh, yeah. It was uh, fighting them twice was something we didn't expect last season, but uh, they were probably two of the most fun fights we've ever had for sure. Awesome. Uh, what machine do you think Defender is going to shine against? Um, it's pretty hard to tell without actually fighting it yet, but I would expect kind of like smaller, boxier robots. Just anything that'll like not tip us over when I grab it, because with the lifter grabber, you always got to be worried about that. You're gonna grab them, then they're gonna tip the teeter totter, and then they're gonna have control over you. So just anything that could like comfortably fit on the forks should be. <laughs> <ideal>. <laughs> Maybe like a duck or like, like a witch yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah, or... just, yeah, just smaller size bricky robots. Yeah, like any robot Minotaur, you could like, like fit in there like a sandwich. Oh, uh, that'd yeah. be nice. Maybe even Minotaur, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. We need little sandwich-sized bots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brandon's last question is, what classic bot from Comedy Central Battle Bots would you love to see brought back and reworked? Me? I say 100% Tazbot. Oh, Dissector. Like, yeah. Well, Dissector's kind of like Lockjaw. Because like, yeah. like in season one, like Lockjaw was kind of a Dissector spinoff. But uh, I Tazbot yeah. would be great, um, just because it's it's still not even no one's ever been able to approach that robot in in complexity and and the look and the whole the whole feeling of it. I think any um, Christian Kralberg stuff or yeah, like or a, yeah. Artists is... yeah, yeah. I think um, I mean I I really think Tazbot like if if Donald you know. I mean, he's a super creative guy. I think he could bring it back and make yeah. it competitive with modern robots. Because, yeah. I mean, I mean, even based off Whiplash, I mean, we have a spinner. But our spinner is sure, I mean, is definitely not why we've, you know, gotten far in previous seasons. So I don't think spinners are the only way to win. I mean, I think that's kind of a misconception. Or maybe people are getting discouraged because so many spinners and all the giant nut holders have been spinners. But uh, I really think there's a lot of potential in lifter robots and grabber robots and hammer robots and crusher robots yeah. that's kind of unexplored and i think tazbot mm -hmm. could kind of fit into that category and mm -hmm. i think if donald were to bring back a version of it 
I'm sure he could come up with something competitive. Yeah, so creative and so brilliant. It would yeah. it would work. If he wanted to bring it back and make it work, he would. <laughs> <laughs> and could. And could. Yeah. yeah, it's totally true. Um, I have uh, a couple of questions here from Sean Eaton, who wants to know, if you could fight any opponent that you haven't fought before, who would you fight? Blacksmith. Oh, yeah, Blacksmith. That's a Blacksmith. good one. Blacksmith, for sure. Yeah, I think... we want a piece of Al. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you want? Do you guys want to fight Al or do you want to fight Blacksmith? Because they're two very different robots. <laughs> it's secretly because every robot that fights Blacksmith makes the front page of the calendar. <laughs> you can't have a bad fight with, Black, with yeah. Blacksmith. You just it's can't. It's, it's, awesome. it's, it's, it's kind of like a tombstone fight. Yeah, like, it makes it's, you look there's, good. there's never a bad one. So. It's a, that that would be a great one, and hopefully we come out in one piece because yeah. he's not a you know big spinner. Although I don't know, I think he might have some changes this year that might be terrifying. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. He's been a little quiet, but I think he's yeah. got some. Uh, he's sneaky. Yeah, he's a little sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of the coin, if you were allowed one rematch with a robot Whiplash has lost to in an attempt to avenge the loss, who would you pick? Oh, I'd Which say. Doctor? <laughs> Sorry. I say totally Witch Doctor. Because, uh, Tombstone. Tomb- well, no, we, we fought Doctor. Tombstone twice. Yeah, We're definitely yeah, way more. Yeah, but third time's a charm. I mean, and yeah, we got the front attachments. Yeah, I mean, I, I would still say Witch Doctor, though, because, like, we fought him, well, it was season four we fought him? It was season four. And, uh, you know, that was totally, I would say, like, I mean, they totally, they, like, won that fight. They, they kicked won. our butt. They beat us. <laughs> they kicked our butt. But I feel like it was a winnable fight had i yeah. you know done some things differently and i think considering how far whiplash has come since that event it's like a completely new machine pretty much like the performance from that season to last season where we were runner up i think is a giant leap and i think like if we fought him again i think it'd be i think it'd be a different fight and i, I think i think i learned a lot from that match like yeah. more than because like when we fought you know like bite force twice and just got slaughtered twice like, we didn't learn a whole lot from that because, like, we were just, like, totally slaughtered. We learned that we didn't but, want to fight him again. Yeah. We, but when we fought Witch Doctor, uh, we had our moments in that fight where we shined and we flipped him over a couple times, pinned him on the wall a couple times. So, like, that was a fight we really learned a lot from. And I think if we fight him again, I think it would be, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting. Yeah. I'd like to have that rematch. We, we always learn more from our losses and from our wins. And yeah. the fight against Witch Doctor... We figured out some things that we changed, and we changed, and they're definite improvements. And from from um, Sawblaze, that loss, you know, that was we we didn't go with what uh, our philosophy in that fight was kind of defensive in the way we had our armor and everything. And our our philosophy is is offense, and so we kind of really, at least, it really crystallized in my mind that you know we always need to take it to them and you know let the chips fall where they may and you know the thing i'm most proud about is with whiplash and the way we've uh our our success is that we've all we we've been beaten we've never lost the robot has never died unless it's been killed and you know it's never we've and Matt's got off the screws and out of all these positions. But, you know, when we lost, there's no doubt we were literally killed. And uh, <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm really happy about. But, um, you know, so we've learned a lot. And, you know, I'm sure we'll learn some more this year. 
This uh, this last question from Sean is uh, it's just steeped in, in black magic. Uh, the second place curse has plagued Bombshell, Minotaur, and Witch Doctor their following seasons. How do you plan to counter and hopefully break the curse? <laughs> We've heard this one a lot. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because when when you get to the finals, like. You fight like in uh, like Bombshell's case, lost to Tombstone, and Minotaur's case, you know, lost to Bite Force. Witch Doctor's case, lost to Bite Force. But uh, you tend to like really dwell on that last fight. And like Bombshell's a great example of that they've you know had a great run through the tournament, got to the finals, fight Tombstone, they get you know completely killed. Uh, so in their mind, they looked at that Tombstone fight, and they said, you know, all of our other fights went great. You know, let's just look at what happened in this fight. But in kind of in doing that, they were really prepared for Tombstone. They beat Tombstone next year. But when it came to all the other opponents they fought, they really struggled because they just tailored it to fight Tombstone, the robot they lost to in the finals. And, uh, you know, like for Minotaur, it was kind of simple. They fought, you know, Bite Force. They got, you know, they broke their frame in a bunch of places. Uh, you know, Bite Force had like maybe a higher tip speed and was getting them in the air before they got them in the air. So, you know, Minotaur came back with a bigger drum you know, a way beefier frame. But, you know, in doing that, you know, problems came out of it. Uh, you know, they couldn't... Yeah, the drum was heavier, had more inertia, so, like, it couldn't... They weren't getting it spun up. Uh, you know, they had little issues like that. So, uh, and then you, you know, go to Witch Doctor, and, uh, you know, they saw Bombshell and Minotaur. You know, they... Uh, they changed a lot coming off those seasons, kind of just solely based off that final fight. And Wish Doctor said, you know, let's just came back, come back with pretty much the same thing and, uh, you know, see what happens. But then in their case, they kind of didn't really proactively change a whole lot, and that kind of caused them to fall behind a little. So you got to find, like, a balance. And honestly, a great example of that is Tombstone after Season 1 and Season 2. See, Tombstone, he got to the finals, lost to Bite Force, you know, had a couple, you know, his battery smoked and stuff. And then he just fixed a few things, you know, went about it like he would make improvements after any other competition, came back and won the next season. So I think you just got to look at it like you're just, I mean, we're just going to make, do the same updates we would after any other season and not, you know, just dwell on, you know, Endgame oh. in particular. Because, yeah, so you know, there's, that it's a curse. yeah, because, you know, there's robots we didn't fight this season that maybe we would have lost to. So I'm yeah. kind of looking at people we didn't fight as well as the people we did fight, yeah. and not just thinking about that one match. So are you saying it's a self-inflicted curse? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. I mean, it's 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 also kind of like in your head, too. You kind of tend to dwell on that one fight you lost and really just like think, like, how am I going to address that? Yeah. But then you kind of become blind to yeah, a so lot of other factors. That, yeah. yeah. <sighs> so there's no curse. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's really insightful. Um, you know, do... do uh, do more than not a lot and do less than too much. Very well <laughs> that, said. Very well said. Just, just it think took of it. Ten minutes to say that. <laughs> yeah, it took me ten minutes to say that. Uh, yeah, just think of it like you would improving on any other season. And uh, I think that's how you see the best results. And hopefully that's how we'll see the best results. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to say. All right, I have uh, I have three questions here from Ben Moak, who uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask him before I hand you off to Lindsay to wrap up our fan questions. And Ben starts by asking, how well do you think your forks would have worked against Sawblaze? Uh, that's an interesting question, because, like, a, you know, obviously we kind of went with an, un, or I kind of had an unorthodox idea going into that fight. 
But uh, to be perfectly honest, I think they probably would have worked maybe slightly better, but probably just as bad because, like, when it comes to, like, round game and getting under someone, if it's purely a fork battle, it's longer forks win, no question. And he probably would have scooped this up just like he did the other time. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to say because, like, when we went into that Sawblaze fight, because, I mean, like I said earlier in the interview, there were three robots I didn't necessarily have a great plan for. One was, you know, Endgame. One was Copperhead, one was Sawblaze. And uh, looking at it, you know, kind of how they put the fight card rounds together, we knew that we could probably have one loss in the fight card rounds and we would be okay. And we knew that if we lost the Sawblaze fight, they would not give us a robot as difficult as Sawblaze for our next fight and probably not for our third fight either. So in my mind, that first fight was the perfect time to take a risk and try a strategy that I might or definitely wouldn't want to try in the tournament. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to try something different. Tried, you know, tall top front armor panels that kind of sort of worked. He tried to attack from the front and he hit him and couldn't, you know, reach our top plate. So maybe we'll take like some aspects from that moving to the next season. But uh, at the end of the day, you just got to control the fight. And putting that armor on there didn't allow us to control the fight. And, uh, you know, that totally ended up to Jameson just, you know, basically dominating us and pretty much cutting us in half, basically. <laughs> yeah. We've been getting revenge, though, with the toy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just sitting there, you know. We bash. took our frustrations out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say. I don't know if we necessarily had a configuration last season that would have done much better against Jameson. Uh, I guess that'd be my answer to that question. Mm. Yeah. If you do, uh, if you do ever need an expert on fork battles, I, I did uh, participate in a fork battle at a buffet in Vegas in 2006. <laughs> so, I'm happy to answer any questions. How'd right. you rank? <laughs> <laughs> on top. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe uh, if you're watching out for your direct messages, maybe we'll uh, <laughs> we'll have some questions for you. <laughs> uh, I get so uh, Ben goes on to ask. What were the top priorities with design changes for this year? And I know we we talked about it a little bit, but is there anything that you want to say to kind of like um, you know cap things off? Uh, I would say because like obviously like last season everything worked really well. There were just a few robots we weren't prepared for. So I I looked at this next season as you know keep the base the same, keep the you know bulk of the robot the same, but really look at those robots. Because, I mean, Whiplash has had so much experience. We know the robot works well. We just need to really address those tricky opponents out there. So uh, our main focus for, I mean, at least design-wise, my main focus for this next season was just, you know, be prepared for everyone. Because those few robots I really didn't feel prepared for were the ones we lost to. So uh, I think more configurations for, you know, those tricky robots out there was really my main focus coming into the season. I got a pretty deep question here from Ben to kind of close out his segment. Who is the best Disney princess and why is it Elsa? You can answer this. Did Snow White. <laughs> well, well, we'll go with that. I'll say. She's a brunette, right? <laughs> <laughs> Too many blonde princesses. <laughs> we need to throw a brunette in the mix. Yeah, and she, she identifies with her apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Did I offend you? <laughs> uh, Chris just got up and walked away. <laughs> I'm kind of a tangled guy myself. 
Um, hello. Uh, how are you? I'm so delighted to talk to you guys again. Hi, Lindsay. Us too. Hello. Yay. What a treat. Um, all right. So we have uh, a few questions here from Noel Viegas. Uh, his first question is, what was the reasoning behind making Defender? As in, why did you want to enter a second bot? Um, we were actually, well, I've always wanted to have a heavyweight of my own to have creative freedom with and to drive, but we were actually fortunate enough to have a really good sponsor lead with uh, Waterway Plastics, which is a huge uh, pool equipment manufacturer in our uh, local area. So that's what actually put it into effect. And the funny thing is, is we had a different sponsor lead before that for a couple months that didn't end up panning out. But that was leading me to design a whole different robot. So really, when I started designing Defender as it is currently, was right at the beginning of summer. So it will be like just I had exactly the summer to build, design, and do everything on this robot from scratch. So yeah, yeah. it was a it was a cram, but we're yeah we're we're finishing. So we've actually yeah. driven it. So there, there is a working robot. In the yeah, we can say that every single part of it has been tested. Hey, that's uh, that's pretty good. I imagine that that's better than uh, some other teams can say at this point. So, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> true. Uh, so, uh, Noel asks, "What is Defender's color scheme going to be?" If you can, uh, if you can divulge that information, um, it's a grayish silver and a kind of aquay blue, which are uh, Waterways colors, and I think they're gonna look really good on a robot. Yeah, kind of reminds me of. Uh, earlier bite force personally and i kind of i kind of like the lighter robot look a lot of them are like really dark so yeah i like it that sounds really cool uh so uh he follows up by asking why did you change from red to yellow in 2019 (laughs) (laughs) you've been getting for many years now or i guess green (laughs) i was gonna say i thought it was green but sometimes i see colors you know off but okay it's green right yeah (laughs) I, I, remember seeing green. Green. I remember seeing like a whole entire argument on Reddit. There was like a team green and like team yellow, and they were like trying to convince each other which color. Uh, team green, it's it's green. But we only we only changed it because of our sponsor. Yeah. When when Molex was our sponsor, their colors were red, and then when Megat picked up the sponsorship, we switched to their company colors. So it's kind of a boring answer, but we're we're, we're representing <laughs> our sponsors. Same thing with Waterways with Defender. They're Company colors are this awesome blue and this really cool gray. And so that's what our bot's going to be. <laughs> cool. It makes it easy to choose colors. Yeah. That way there's no arguments. The sponsor decides. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. It saves you, uh, you know, a lot of time going back and forth between, uh, you know, which shades you like. So that that's nice. Um so uh, going back to the Hexbug, uh, you know, development uh, for a moment, on a scale from 1 to 100, how excited were you when you found out that Whiplash was going to be the next Hexbug? So we, we have an interesting answer to this question because uh, it's funny because I don't know if like people remember, but like back in like 2018, 18. 2018, yeah, they did like a little like kind of poll on uh, Hexbug's Instagram and they chose like, it was like eight robots. Or I think it was eight robots. And like like every day, like people would vote on like which robot they wanted to be the next Hexbug toy. So like every night we'd be like, you know, checking this poll every day to see like how is like Whiplash doing in this and like seeing and like eventually 
Whiplash like won the competition and like we were like, you know, Hexbugs like congratulations, like Whiplash wins our like, you know, uh, our our competition. So like we'll like you know, we're gonna, you know, consider them for our next toy and like, you know, see what happens. So like after that, you know, we were super excited and we're thinking like, Oh, like this is great, like we might be the next toy. So like, zero this is to a hundred cool. then it was a hundred. <laughs> yeah, like we were super excited, you know, two years ago or like three, three years, years ago, ago now. Uh you know, the prospect of having a toy. So we were like, oh, this is like super cool. But then, you know, eventually like, you know, it kind of didn't it pan did out <laughs> and there, it did not happen. And there were, I mean, there were reasons for it. Like they didn't really have anything that had the two buttons they would need. There were no, yeah, there were different reasons. There, there were, there were lots of reasons why it couldn't have happened back then. So, I mean, obviously we were disappointed then. So then fast forward to like over a year ago now, you know, Greg Munson calls us and he's like, you know, Hexbug, you know, says they want to make a toy, a robot. And we're just like, we've heard that before. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so we were, we were a little skeptical. We didn't, we didn't want to like get our hopes up because, you know, with things like this, they don't always follow through. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were kind of like, oh, you know, if it happens, that's awesome. But if it doesn't, like, we're not going to, you so know. So from one to a hundred at that point, it was like 50. <laughs> <laughs> we were a good, a good 50. Yeah. But, uh. But as, yeah. it, as it started as getting it, more real. As it, it was kind of a slow progression to 100. And I could say we probably reached 100. We probably reached like 85 when we opened it. And it'll be 100 when we're at Target. When and we, we see it, it in the store, yeah. we're going to be out of the ballpark. <laughs> crying in the aisles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going, do you know who we are? <laughs> <laughs> I, we've heard oh. stories of other... Yeah, Other battle bus builders, like <laughs> one in particular, we obviously won't say that they like just like sat in the aisle for like hours just staring at it. In like, like a, in lawn store, in a lawn chair. <laughs> I mean, no judgment. I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> I'm gonna bring a picnic lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but that's wild. What a what a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I, I and I think you're probably safe now. I don't think there's any going back on it at this point. <laughs> one of those things where at the time it seems like such a horrible thing um but then i'm glad that actually it got delayed because now we ended up with uh, with a this, better toy a better toy i it's mean it's got full functionality and, and like it's, it's i mean and in, in all credit to Xbug, they knew at that time they couldn't deliver like a quality toy they would want to deliver of our robot like it may have lifted but like maybe the spinner wouldn't work right they knew better yeah. than we did yeah. you know we're yeah. not in and the toy they... business yeah they knocked it out of the park. It it's was worth the amazing. wait. That's what I'll say is that it yeah. was definitely could, worth the wait. We couldn't have made it any better ourselves. No. So, and we tried. So, <laughs> so uh, following up on that, uh, Shuntcast co-host Dale Bruce wants to know, is Matt able to drive Whiplash the toy as well as he does the real thing? Uh, there might be a little bit more driving into walls with the toy, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> But no, in, in all seriousness, it's like crazy how well it works compared to the real thing. Like I almost don't want to play with it too much because then like my brain will think I'm like driving the toy when I'm in like an actual fight. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good it, point. It's, it's it's the accuracy is like insane and like how they made the lifter work will just like one press of a button like that. Like I was kind of like skeptical how well it would work actually driving it. But like you, know, you just hit the button, drive into another robot and it lifts just like the real thing yeah it's crazy so it's it's crazy impressive how they did it well maybe we could use it as a multi-bot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could. i'm driving oh that'd be so cute <laughs> until it gets slammed <laughs> I, I think we would run out of our uh, stock of toys yeah, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. 
so uh, Sumi Shik asks, now that there's a second robot, how about a rumble between the Vasquez family and the Ewart family? <laughs> we got a related question from Tom Brisbane who asks, in a Vasquez versus Ewart tag team match, which bot would be ideal to take down Fusion and Hydra? Uh, I, I, I got Hydra, he's got Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to fight Hydra again. Maybe you could take him. <laughs> yeah, We're always down for fights with more robots. I kind of miss the days with big old rumbles, but I think a tag team fight. Yeah, cool. that would be pretty cool. And, you know, they're very creative there. Aaron Catling, the producer, showrunner, he's an evil genius, and he <laughs> is able to... He's always clairvoyant. He does such good matchups, and if he can make it happen and it makes sense to him, it'll happen. And we'd be totally up for it. That'd be so much fun. And and then we would put Debbie and Lisa in the box and let them go (laughs) at it. And that would really be for the for everything because the two of them. I mean, they love each other. He's talking about Mom Wyachi. Yeah. Well, I'm not up to that. Yeah. But yeah, no, Aaron comes up with some fights that it's just yeah. like, wait, what? No, it's... And then it's like, oh, no, <laughs> he's and, got vision. And and you can tell because like he is like a he's like a true fan of it. So yeah, like yeah. he's like he comes up with matchups that like are really obscure, but they're like matchups that I, I like I have thought of like years ago. Like I'd love to like see what happens if these two robots fought, and like he thinks the same way as like. I would say the same way that I would or like a lot of the competitors would or like a lot of the fans would of what matchups they want to see. So I think that's part of the reason like the last, you know, the show has been so great in these last seasons with the fight card format. He just chooses whatever fight he thinks would be awesome. And it nine out of ten times, it turns out incredible. And I kind of can't think of like one time where we we went, what was he thinking? Or like that was, you know, why would he do that? Like it's more like, whoa, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good idea. Yeah, we we got to talk to Aaron on the show last year, right before um, season five started filming. And I mean, we had such an incredible time talking to him because he knows so much. Mm -hmm. He clearly like thinks about this stuff so much. Um, And it it was really fascinating to kind of hear his process. That's one of the best things about BattleBots and why the show is so good. Because everyone involved in it loves it. From Chris and Kenny and, and, Jenny, and, and, and Jenny and the producers, Aaron and, and, and Farouk and, and you know, just uh, uh, Callan and, and obviously Greg and Trey. But and Jax, you know, everyone loves it. And we all like each other. Our robots hate each other. But, you know, <laughs> they love it. And it comes through, you know, and. Aaron's been to Robo Games as a spectator, you know, and he's watching and he's enjoying it and he's talking to everyone and and you know he didn't have to do that. He's but, a, he's checking all corners of the internet yeah. to see what fans are saying. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. a true yeah. fan. Honestly. He's yeah. a smart, smart businessman. Well, he did know? his homework. Yeah. It's obvious that yeah. he's talking about. Yeah. I think they actually it's a lot of work for everyone involved. But, you know, ultimately, we all have fun and, and love it in the end. So it really you comes can, You can feel the love through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sumi's second question is, after the season is over, do you think you'll like Vegas or Long Beach better? Ooh, so it's, it's hard to say till it happens. But, uh, I mean, like I said before, Long Beach is like 
the kind of like comfortable option. It's not, you know, 115 degrees. It's, you know, nearby us. It's the building is awesome that we had it in. You know, it was the pits were huge. The building with the arena was seriously just like a hallway away, you know, right next to it. So that was like the most ideal situation mm -hmm. there possibly could have been. So I think in that regard, we will probably end up preferring Long Beach just because like that was like a dream scenario. But I'm sure there will be lots of great things to come out of Vegas, yeah. like show-wise and like kind of potential for the sport and potential for the show. So I yeah, think... Plus we're going to win the nut in Vegas. So we'll like <laughs> Absolutely. I believe it. Um, no jinxing. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, so we have a, a, a question here from Evan Cabin, who wants to stir up some drama, it seems. <laughs> he says, have you ever had any beef on purpose or accident with other teams? So, yeah, spill the tea. We were kind of talking about that. What, I forgot what we uh, came up with. I don't think there's been any at BattleBots beef i would say i kind of messed with jake ewart a little bit on facebook the other day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but... he hasn't talked to me since no there has been a ewart rivalry we fought them three times technically and we yeah. fought three no, different ewart robots but we have no beef with there's them. no we, beef like, no i'm saying yeah. like like robot yeah, rivalry yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we well, fought them three yeah. times so I don't yeah. know if there's any real beef with anyone, but personality-wise, there's some some people are nicer than others. But like, you know, there's only been a few people I've wanted to hit. So. <laughs> yeah, and that's over 20 years. Yeah, so. that was from the old Comedy Central. Yeah, days. old Comedy Central. There was some some interesting antics going on there because it was the Wild West back then. I mean, it was open competition. And you just, as crazy as the bots were, the builders were crazier. And there was hundreds of them. So, you know, things could get a little dicey at times. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, if there's some massive hate rivalry going no, on, I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah. I would just have an impossible time imagining that anybody wouldn't like you or you wouldn't like anybody. So... <laughs> We, we like each other the robots don't like each other yeah 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 all right so um daniel tuffin has another interesting question do you wish there were more hazards in the battle box and if you could design one what would it be well i mean obviously you don't want like hazards like winning the fight by themselves because like in the old comedy central days you'd have like a you know a lightweight drive over a kill sod get sent 30 feet and just like explode against the wall and that'd be it so you don't want anything like that but i feel like there could be like aspects added to the arena that can make for more interesting fights i think there could be like yeah. small terrain added so that it would kind of you know there's got to be free areas of fighting but there should be areas where robots that can get over so you know lifts or or small hills or something could maneuver around to get around a robot that can't maneuver yeah, over anything. Yeah. You know, I think a little bit of terrain would be good. I like the hazard still. I, I kind of wish they would do a little bit more kill saw, but mm. um, it's just so cool and it's so unique. Um, I mean, and you want them to like, because I like hazards in the sense that they could design certain ones to like 
for incentive to be more creative or like incentive that everyone is not just, you know, a witch doctor, a bite force and an end game, you know, a four wheel drive vertical spinner. Cause like if everyone could build one, everyone would build one. Cause like, obviously that's how you win. Like that's, I mean, as of now, that's kind of the most straightforward way to win a fight. So, uh, I mean, more hazards that could kind of like change that around a little bit. Would yeah, be cool. I like the hazard you brought up the other day about um, who was it that did. Oh, the I think that's another question thing? later. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think but, uh, flame in the arena could be cool too. Because then you I could like you could like pin too. someone yeah. over the flame. That'd be pretty cool. You see, with defender, I mean, Jason could clamp a bot, lift it over, drop it on a kill saw, you know, and just hold it there and let the saw do its thing, which is what used to happen. So that was kind of cool and added a, another element. That I think the yeah. you know the it's kind of lost a little bit. Yeah, and like uh, like I, I remember Donald Hudson has said this like several times that like the reason he changed Lockjaw into a spinner is because like Dissector like the the first version the Grabber version the whatever the Jaws version of Lockjaw and like all of his previous robots the idea was like get a hold of his opponent let the hazards do the work hold him on the kill saws you mm-hmm. know push him into the screws. And then once you realize that, like, the hazards aren't really doing damage anymore. Robots are just too strong. The hazards, you know, aren't much more powerful than they used to be. It's just not... It just wasn't really a valid strategy for him anymore. So his way out was build, you know, a four-wheeled vertical spinner. And, like, to see Donald Hudson, like... He's, like, one of the most creative builders in the history of the sport. But, like, he saw, like, that was kind of his way forward. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of says a lot that... There could be things added to the arena that would make things more interesting for like different designs, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I never really thought about, you know, why is he competing now with a, a four wheel drive vertical spinner based on the other bots he's built in the past, but it that makes sense. Yeah. Um so all right, we have one final question and it's from all of us. What are you most looking forward to with this coming season of BattleBots? <laughs> I'm personally looking forward to driving. I've kind of been sitting watching other people drive for the last six years and kind of. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah I answer. can't wait to see Jason and Defender and just go in there. <laughs> I, that would be awesome. I think the dynamic of having two robots on our team will be a lot of stress, but a lot of fun. Because, like, like, for example, Robo Games, we'd always brought at least two big, big arena robots. So, like, you know. 60 pound, 120 or, you know, heavyweight. So I think that'll bring like a certain energy to our team this year that like maybe had been missing in previous years that we had had at events like Robo Games and other events. So I think it'll be difficult, but it'll be very exciting for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's, it's been, Jason's been super patient the last five, (laughs) five, six seasons, five seasons, whatever. He's been patient (laughs) and been a really good sport and he's, you know, I, I want him to have fun, and I'm hoping that uh, and success. Yeah, I mean, and success. But I, everything's lining up, so you know, important thing is first season, have fun and work the robot out. So, and we're excited to see yeah. everybody. Yeah, they're yeah. all our friends. I mean, they really are. It's like a reunion from it all over really the world. Is. Yeah, one big giant crazy family. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. You guys, good luck to both you, Jason and Matthew, on your own on your own bots this year. It's gonna be a change for us as viewers, but I know that we couldn't possibly be more excited to see what you both have in store. And just, you know, Debbie and, and Jeff, like we love talking with you so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh and we can't wait to see you guys in the battle box later this month in Las Vegas. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we thank, we thank love you. talking with you guys. Yeah, you too. guys are great. And honestly, there's nobody else we would have like carved out this amount of time when we have so much stuff to do. <laughs> you, <laughs> you wanted to do the podcast, and we're like, we're in. I was so, welding five minutes before we started this podcast, yeah. and I'm going to go back out and weld again so, right now. So thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you for yeah, having thank us. You. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for robots around the world. This week we're traveling to Oregon, where engineers at Agility Robotics have built the world's first, quote, two-legged robot to use machine learning to control its running gait on outdoor terrain. That is a mouthful. So the robot named Cassie completed a three-mile jog in about 53 minutes, so pretty sure I can run faster than this robot. Uh, Cassie is different from other similar robots, however, in that it used artificial intelligence to learn how to dynamically balance on its own, performing subtle adjustments to stay upright while in motion. The company says the technology might one day be used to deliver packages <laughs> or help people in their homes. Oh, God. So, all right. I mean, drones, I get. But, like, to have, like, jogging robots on your sidewalk delivering packages seems like a lot. Um, but I, I, I guess it is a practical application. Uh, if it's any consolation, the, uh, the jogging is pretty slow. So, you know. I think I think you're you're still faster to, to use humans. When are they gonna come out with a robot that it swears it's gonna it's gonna run uh three miles on Wednesday, <laughs> but it probably is just gonna put it off. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I want the robot that puts on its uh, shoes and its uh, running shorts and then really like checks the weather but like really examines whether it's just the right temperature. Kind of right. talks itself out puts, of it, like, <laughs> and then uh, you know it it makes sure that it's wearing uh, all of those uh, workout clothes, and then it gets in its car and it drives to Starbucks <laughs> for something that's blended with way too much cream. In it. Yeah, right. That's that's when we know you know artificial intelligence will have reached its pinnacle, <laughs> and then it's inevitable decline. <laughs> right. Yeah. the The robot sees like over the years as it gets larger and larger, and. Uh, <laughs> It just grows disheartened. Are we going to ever have to come up with robots to help, uh, like, lazy robots get motivated? <laughs> yeah, like trainer robots, right? That's, uh, oh, my God, my robot. It's really just, it's a couch potato. <laughs> I got to get the new Richard Simmons bot in here right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take it down to the therapy bot so it can kind of, like, talk about what its inner issues are, what what its blockers are <laughs> to exercise. That's how we defeat the robots is not by trying to physically overtake them, but by learning how to give them anxiety. <laughs> right. And then and then we can just emotionally dominate them. Good. Good. Yeah. My parents are going to be essential in this war. 
And that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Sorry, Mom. <laughs>